Greetings, Greenhouse people. We're back at it with another episode of Tech on Demand, brought to you by the fine folks at Grower Talks Magazine. If you don't receive Grower Talks and Green Profit every month, head over to growertalks.com and subscribe. The magazine has been a pillar of the industry for more than 75 years. It's about time you join the club. And speaking of subscribing, be sure to subscribe to the Tech on Demand podcast on your favorite podcast app, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Odyssey, and more. And if you have an extra minute to leave us a positive review, that would be awesome. Every little bit helps our algorithms and allows us to reach more greenhouse professionals. I'm your host, Bill Calkins, and this episode is going to be even more conversational than usual because the topic is fairly open-ended and my guest is someone I've been friends with for a long time. Basically, you're about to hear a conversation about the modern greenhouse and garden center industry rooted in the goal of providing perspective and opportunities for action. My guest is Rich Christakis. CEO of Alsip Home and Nursery, a grower retailer with two locations in northwest Indiana and Chicagoland, as well as growing facilities and landscape services. In this podcast, we'll cover everything from the current state of the industry, including labor and business management strategies, to new plants and new ways to sell plants. Trust me, you'll find plenty of food for thought and ideas to explore along the way. Before we get started, let me run through Rich's bio because it'll give you an insight into why I was so excited to hear what he had to say about such a wide range of topics. Rich Christakis is an accomplished entrepreneur with a diverse portfolio, founding Ship My Plants, serving as CEO of Allsup Home and Nursery, and co-founding True Mountain Marketing. An Indiana State Certified Horticulturist with an impressive 25-year background in the garden center retail industry, he's transformed the way people interact with plants and gardening products. As a grower retailer and being a true vertically integrated consumer horticulture business owner, Rich runs retail, re-wholesale, wholesale, and online plant businesses, including the Ship My Plants online marketplace. Additionally, Rich was an AM radio host on WJOB 1230 and has recently launched a brand new podcast of his own called Talking Ship, the Ship My Plants podcast. Leveraging his decade of e-commerce experience, he continues to pave the way for innovative online ventures and exceptional customer experiences. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Rich, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Bill. Glad to be here. I think this this is going to be fun. Uh, we've we've known each other a long time, and every time we run into each other out and about, we always have great conversations about the industry. We also will talk sports quite often, but we're going to try to stay away from that and stick to business this time around. Why don't let's let's kick off by talking a little bit about last spring because Allsip is a hybrid business. You grow and you sell. And you got a lot of other uh, facets and departments. And I'm wondering, from your perspective, how did spring 2023 go? How's fall wrapping up? And, and what do you think about uh, the coming holiday season? Well, uh, that's a great question, Bill. And, you know, for spring 2023 for us was was quite excellent. Um, you know, I know we are uh, members of some other groups in the industry and and being able to compare ourselves and and we we were fortunate enough to be a little bit ahead of some of these other people um, through revenue diversification. You know, we we are a grower um, grower retailer, but we we also have a re wholesale landscape supply division. We sell 
uh, plants and garden related goods online on the internet. And we happen to expand our growing facility in the last year to where we're growing a lot more of our own product. So because of that, we were able to have quite a nice sales increase. But, you know, once we got past the spring rush, we could see and feel retail softening a little bit. Um, nothing too crazy, definitely still ahead of pre pandemic, but, um, you know, we have to work a little bit harder for it than we did in, uh, 2020, 2021, and even 2022. I hear that a lot. The, the fact that we probably shouldn't compare year to year to, 2020, 2021, 2022, but look back to 2018, 2019 and really make those comparisons. So is that, mm -hmm. is that how you guys look at it too? Yeah, a little bit. And, you know, obviously due to inflation, it's going to raise the top line. Um, but we are, you know, always trying to push in a sales increase every year, but it, it's definitely not coming to us quite as easily as it as it uh, did during the pandemic, there's, you know, we're competing with people's dollars for a lot of things that we didn't have to compete with them at that time. And with the rising interest rates, I think people are a little bit more cautious with, with their disposable income. So we are looking more so at, you know, trying to be, you know, more than pre pandemic, but understanding that, you know, some categories aren't going to quite do what they were doing uh, to the level that they were during the pandemic. Makes sense. How's the landscape market? How's that? How's that going at the moment? Do you think? So again, it's definitely softening on the residential side of things. We're fortunate enough to have our landscape supply business be in Northwest Indiana, which seems to be this like isolated little bubble from the rest of the world. A lot of the times when, you know, even in the 2008, uh, housing market crisis, that's actually when our landscape supply division in Northwest Indiana grew because people were fleeing Illinois. And they were moving to Indiana so that we, in a way, sort of benefited from that. And even now with the um, housing, re you know, residential housing slowing a little bit um, through diversification, through growing more of our own stuff and trying to be as vertically integrated as possible, we've been able to, you know, continue to have a, a sales increase. And then we've also shifted some of our focus more into commercial landscaping. And I think that's, you know, if you're going to borrow a, a sports term, skate to where the puck is going to be, then commercial would be a, a smart pivot for a lot of people in landscape supply. That, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I'd always put Allsip up there as sort of the top echelon of grower retailers, just from, from knowing you guys and, and visiting your stores and understanding your your business philosophy. So none of that really surprises me. If you had said that you were trailing behind some of your peers, I'd have been really surprised. But it occurs, you know, it it occurs to me that having your finger on the pulse of the market, like you said, kind of predicting where the the landscape market's going and those kind of things is really gonna help also push the limits in terms of quality, retail appeal, understanding these other segments that you serve. And that's kind of why I titled this episode Five, Five Trends with Rich. That's a working title. I might change it before we publish. <laughs> you never know. But why don't we jump right into that? And and we talked a little bit prior to recording, um, catching up and, and, and talking through some of the some of the topics. And one of the things that, that came up, of course, because we're both plant lovers is new plants. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I have a lot of thoughts on this. I work for a plant company, but uh, I think the listeners really want to hear what, what you have to say, because it Chris Beatty's 
my boss for a long time has always said, you don't make money growing plants. You make money selling plants. And that's really what, what Alsip is so good at. So I'm going to leave it open-ended. Why don't we talk plants and why don't you kick, kick it off? Well, I mean, it's funny because I'm going to kick it right back to you in a, in a way to say that, you know, when we went to the, the ball trials this summer and we were, you know, introduced to the better versions and, you know, mm -hmm. we're talking you know, perennials, for example, and we are definitely shifting our production away from some of these older plants that have been around forever and they're asked for, you know, by, by both retail and the landscape trade, but it's like, they don't know what's good for them unless they are shown. And so we're kind of taking a page from Ball's book and saying, Hey, the better versions are, you know, blue by you salvia and getting rid of May night, for example. And we're even dropping Stella de Oro de Lily out of our production just because it's been around forever and there's definitely better versions out there. And also following some of the breeder and marketing lead, we are growing our own shrubs and we've been putting a lot more emphasis into that. And Proven Winners is obviously uh, one of the leading brands out there. So we've put a lot into their new panicle hydrangeas. And that's been mm. um, a huge growth area for us, especially in late summer, early fall, where, you know, these you know, plants that are going to just be blooming like crazy in a time where it's, you know, tough to, to get sales in the garden center, especially August. I mean, it's usually a slow time. So we've focused a lot into having a good selection of the different hydrangeas that we know are going to be blooming at that time. And we actually created a, a hydrangea fest, um, taking a page from some of our friends on actually both the East and the West Coast who have created a crepe myrtle fest, Homestead mm -hmm. Gardens and Ales in uh, Oregon. They had this crepe myrtle fest every year at a time when they're really slow. And we thought, hey, you know what? We can make a hydrangea fest. So um, we did that in early August this year. And, and next year, we're going to make it a hy hydrangea and hibiscus fest. So, you know, July through August at that time when got some pretty magnificent flowers but it's you know it's hot yeah. and it's the dog days of summer people are on vacation so it's tough to drive people into the garden center and we thought hey why not uh, make a an event out of this and do a sale and so we just had our first ever one this past august and it was extremely successful and you know a lot of the new hibiscus that have been coming out and the new hydrangeas and then focusing on the new perennials having those alongside a lot of the new cone flowers so to, uh you know I was tons of different new varieties from Darwin, uh, all were blooming at that time. So, um, the, the new plants that just looked way better on the, on the table, um, definitely came through strong for us. That's cool. And it, you know, I, I've had this thought at, during California spring tiles trials for the last few years is that breeders are coming out with these improvements on existing popular varieties. And they're really doing it with, the grower in mind and consumer performance. And it's great to hear you echo that. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of tried and true varieties in our industry that have been around a long time and have name recognition and, you know, are always seen in the online ordering catalogs. And you just, you just know that something like a Stella Doro is going to be popular. But like you said, there are better, newer genetics out there, uh, strikes me that even like in vegetable breeding, all the breeding for disease resistance mm -hmm. and, um, you know, indeterminate types getting better, determinant types being very patio ready. It's, it's like the breeders are, 
are really trying to solve problems. And, and part of that, you know, part of that is certainly for retail and for consumer performance. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I love the idea of, uh, of, of these festivals during, during kind of downtimes a year where you can shine a spotlight on certain, uh, certain varieties, certain classes and that, that are beautiful and blooming at that time. And, uh, give your, give your shoppers another reason to come back in the store, right? That's exactly right. I, I had to grill a whole bunch of uh, hamburgers and hot dogs at the same time, <laughs> but it was totally worth it. That, that was great. And I could talk plants all day. I'm sure you can too. Maybe when we stop recording, we'll continue to talk plants, but Probably. why don't we move on to another topic? It's not as flowery or uh, joy filled as the plant discussion, but it's it's extremely critical and that's labor and really no conversation we have in our industry happens without that discussion. You go to some of the shows and that's really what people want to talk about. You ask mm-hmm. growers, you know, what, what keeps you up at night it tends to be labor and it, it's really at the top of the list. So how about you as, as CEO, I'm sure labor at Allsip is a key priority that, that, that you deal with, you know, on a daily, weekly, monthly, annual basis. Yep. Can you talk a little bit about, your labor strategy and and what's worked or even what's not worked for the company? Yeah. I mean, this is a great question and this is something that I think more and more growers and retailers are starting to pay attention to, but the, the shortage of labor is what's holding a lot of us back. And, you know, a few years ago we decided to uh, take part in the H2A program mm-hmm. at our production facility. And we started the first year we had, we had four uh, workers come in and it was the best thing we ever did in, in regards to, um, you know, labor shortages and, and able to find, you know, reliable, uh, good, consistent uh, labor from a, you know, planting standpoint to a moving standpoint to a loading and, and, you know, watering and just some of the other, you know, menial tasks that, you know, it takes a consistent amount of labor to do. And so when we expanded our production facility, we actually bought another growing site down the street from the original location and built a new uh, 70,000 square foot greenhouse and um, then added on six acres of shrub production. We would not have been able to do that if it wasn't for the H2A program. We just simply would not have been able to find the people. Um, Even before we expanded, we just simply weren't able to find the the dedicated workforce to make that happen so uh it's a wonderful program and this year we expanded it to 15. Uh, we built some housing on site at our new production facility and have some transportation to to bring them back and forth between the two different growing locations and it's it's been a game changer for us um we are you know as we build and expand, we're, we're moving more and more towards automation, but that doesn't mean there's ever going to be a shortage of a need for good skilled labor. And um, so I took it even a step further this year at, at our landscape supply center, and we brought in three H2B workers and they have been, again, to, to use the same phrase, an absolute game changer. Um, we've got the rest of our team is able to uh, not have to do 10 different things at once, you know, unloading the trucks and moving things and, you know, being pulled in 10 different directions. Uh, it's dedicated labor that, you know, can unload, load, 
um, can actually communicate better with the Hispanic workers that are coming from these landscape companies to pick up product and just doing uh, all the things that allows you know, the rest of the year round staff to be better at customer service, be better at taking care of, you know, office work, paperwork, just handling emails, all, all the other things, not to say that they don't get still on the truck and, and lead by example, but without having uh, this dedicated labor, there's no way we would be as um, successful and as efficient as we are right now. And we're about a month ahead of schedule of winterizing and getting our hoop houses covered and getting our, our nursery stock put away for the winter and, you know, getting the Christmas lights up on the store and doing the things that, you know, it takes a lot of time. And, you know, we just simply don't have that time, especially when, you know, the landscape trucks are still lined up out the door waiting to be, to be loaded and taken care of. Um, it's been, it's been, I couldn't recommend it more to, to other people uh, that are in this industry, either the H2A or H2B program. And, and I hear that from, from more growers every year, uh, having really good experiences, whether it is H2A, H2B. And I know that's also a, uh, uh, something that our industry is fighting really hard for um, up on Capitol Hill is having access to H2A, H2B labor, mm -hmm. um, making sure that the, the regulations and all the requirements are manageable and um, really able to, to bring in uh, competent workers that that do a fantastic job and fit in well with the teams mm -hmm. and then helps like you said to alleviate some of the the chaos and and stress of wearing 100 different hats during busy seasons so yeah i, uh, I appreciate that and certainly it sounds like without without a focus on labor specifically the h2h to b it would probably be really hard to expand the way you guys are i mean you're adding greenhouses you're adding outdoor growing space there's not a plethora of local labor that you're gonna that you're gonna be able to hire to to make that work so um no it's that's absolutely true and you know we're we're big in investing in in training and staff development and you know, our, our staff here has fully embraced the migrant workers. They, they understand the, the need and, um, it's been an extremely positive thing. Uh, and so with, with our, you know, focus on staff development, we actually have a former employee who has been a, uh, Spanish teacher for 39 years. She is about to retire and she would work her summers working for us and, she's going to be coming over the winter and doing an eight week, uh, two hour shift Spanish class that is going to be teaching our team, uh, Spanish phrases that will be commonly used in, in our consumer horticulture. And we're actually even opening that, uh, class up to some of the local landscape, uh, company owners to, Hey, you know, sharpen up over the winter time when you guys have some time, because, um, you know, having some knowledge on, on speaking Spanish is, is, going to go a long way for you and your business. Absolutely. That that's really, really cool. It's funny. I thought labor was going to be this, this downer of a topic. And it seems from, from also perspective, it's actually a positive and something you guys have, have, have embraced and not as a challenge, but as an opportunity. So that's, yeah. that's always exciting and good to hear. And I encourage all the listeners to consider taking that approach and not uh, being so uh, Debbie downer on, on labor all the time. So when you talk about, um, you know, the, 
the business of buying and selling plants, I think that it, it comes down to how you approach that and having, having solid, intelligent strategies in place. So as a hybrid business, can you talk a little bit about how, how Allsub approaches both sides of this, the buying and the selling, and some of the, the new approaches you're taking or, or things that have worked in the past that you continue when it comes to product? I know we talked a little bit about a change in your buying strategies uh, going forward. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I would definitely recommend that, you know, join a, a group or a peer group of some sort where you can uh, share some knowledge and, and learn from, from each other with other people that are, you know, similar size and, and similar product categories. But one of the things that we did was we gave our buyers and managers certain goals and not just, you know, a sales and gross margin goal uh, or payroll goal, but also an inventory level goal Mm -hmm. to say, this is where your levels need to be. And we incentivized our team to basically be better buyers and really kind of put an owner's hat on when it comes to that. And it allowed us to actually increased profitability significantly in this last year by, you know, not having so much dead inventory and being open to buy and being able to turn things a lot uh, faster. And then just having that understanding of being in a peer group to say, this is where we are weak and this is where others are strong. And maybe this is where we're strong and we can share with you guys. But all that together has really helped our team just to be that much more focused and, and sharp and, you know, then product is fresh, right? You know, you're, you're not, you don't have old stuff sitting around, you're not tying up all your cash and you're open to buy. So, um, you know, incentivizing our team to, to do that has been wonderful. And then, you know, the team has been able to, to take home some more money for themselves and for their families on top of that. And it just makes it easier for us to hire and, and, and pay, you know, a, a more reasonable wage. That's cool. And, you know, you can't as a as a business get buried under that full warehouse that, that you that you struggle to empty and then have to discount and mark down and mark down. And, and that's that's not good business. So I think that having a clear strategy talking about that turnover, you know, turning turning over that product, having the, the ability to buy when you need to fresh product. Obviously, we're in a perishable market. So fresh product on the plant side is, is important. Um, but you know, as, as a business that sells a lot more than plants, I'm sure that, that, that buying and inventory is something that, uh, that you have on the, on the weekly agenda for, yeah. you know, all year long. So, yeah, yeah, we, we do have some other secret weapons in, in the, in the quiver because, you know, online we're able to identify slow moving, uh, categories and, and we're, we're u- utilizing uh, multi-vendor marketplaces like Amazon and, and you know, kind of shamelessly plug ship my plants, which is our, our marketplace. But we've actually been able to use those as ways to alleviate some inventory that we are long on. And, you know, for example, we had uh, a lot of extra Carl Forster grass at our production and mm-hmm. I put them on ship my plants at a, you know, a little bit above cost just to kind of get rid of them. And, and it was pretty great because we had one landscape company buy all of them in, in oh, one wow. order. So, I mean, some of those ways to, to get rid of things, you need to give yourself as many outs as possible and you need to diversify your revenue streams. And so online is, is another way to, 
you know, get rid of your inventory, even if you're not making full margin, sometimes turning things into cash, because nobody is perfect at buying it. That's just, you know, and I wouldn't expect my buyers to, to hit a home run on, on every single pitch. So, you know, we're, we're using these different strategies to get rid of things. And we're constantly talking about, you know, what's on Amazon. And, you know, I give uh, an example, we had Halloween product that we went a little heavier in Halloween this year, as that's become a bigger and bigger trend. And we had all these inflatables and Mm -hmm. they just weren't selling. And we just said, Hey, you know, there's three weeks left till Halloween. Let's get these things on Amazon and see what happens. And and we were selling, you know, five to seven of them a day for, for several weeks until it got, you know, rid of our inventory. We didn't make much on them, but we turned them back into cash. Didn't have to put them back in the warehouse. And we learned our lesson not to buy inflatables (laughs) next year. That's good, and and the point about having having more outs than just out the front door of your garden center make, makes a lot of sense. And feel free to shamelessly plug ship my plants. In fact, it was a perfect segue because I want to talk. We're gonna we're gonna get to that for sure. And I think a way to to bridge from our discussion of labor and plants and buying and selling strategy is to talk about inspiring shoppers, because you're. We, we've talked a little bit about your stores having somewhat different demographics and who they're serving. We we serve like four generations at least right now as, as an industry and all retail in general, which is crazy to think about. And, and how how can you navigate each different generation and the way that they shop? I mean, they might buy similar products, but they're approaching them from from different ways. They're learning information differently. So let's Let's talk about marketing lawn and garden, exciting customers. What are you guys doing to inspire today's shopper? Well, you know, we are living in an omni-channel world. So we're trying to find different ways to find more customers. And, you know, uh, Axiom just reported that uh, people spent 48% more on horticulture-related goods in the last year. And then they did the year before, which sounds like a really big number. But if you think about it, if you didn't have that big of an increase, that means that your customers were buying that stuff somewhere else. So mm-hmm. they're turning to online marketplaces. People are buying plants on Amazon. People are buying plants on Etsy, you know, especially in the houseplant world. And we kind of realized that, you know, there's there was not a multi-vendor marketplace platform specifically niched for plants and the plant industry and plant care. So um, through our experience selling, you know, on our own website and on Amazon, and I have, uh, had co-founded a um, digital advertising agency, True Mountain Marketing, and, you know, sold a lot of websites to small businesses and understood, you know, the needs, especially with those in e-commerce. We created our own multi-vendor marketplace platform called Ship My Plants. Uh, we just soft launched this past spring of 2023 and made kind of our official launch at the cultivate show and uh at that time we had four sellers on on the platform and two of them were my own businesses (laughs) so you know it's like chicken or the egg what comes first so you need sellers to get customers you need customers to get sellers so you know we uh had to grind it out early on and now as it stands today we have 15 uh, live sellers on the site and there's 10 more in the queue and we expect to have 50 by the springtime but it's like i said it's an omni-channel world so plant sellers people that are selling plants online putting a plant in a box and shipping across the country they're doing that already um, they're also a lot of times doing it on Amazon. They're doing it on Walmart and they're probably doing it on Etsy in, in addition to their own website. 
we created a, a platform that is for the plant industry by the plant industry. It allows cut, uh, plant sellers that are shipping plants in a box across the country or locally or whatever to have another place to find customers. We, the platform actually takes care of the sales tax. Um, it integrates with ShipStation. And we also take care of all the advertising. So it's a place that, you know, consumers are going to expect to be, it's going to be a household name. Our, our goal is to be the one place that you could find any plant in aggregate by having, you know, a seller that specializes in carnivorous plants or another seller that specializes in, you know, those hard to find tropicals that, um, you know, like a Thai constellation or all these different things that, you know, became really, really popular. Um, but the other thing that, we made ship my plants uh, set up as is is a way for garden centers to actually utilize it the way that restaurants utilize DoorDash or Uber Eats, mm -hmm. and you can actually set up local delivery zones by zip code and put your prices what you would deliver on your own truck. And if you're already taking a phone call and hey, can you deliver three yards of mulch to my driveway? You can simply hey, these are the zip codes we deliver to. This is the price. If the customer is searching for it and they're not within those zip codes, you don't show up. So the, the user experience from the consumer side and from the seller side is fantastic because it doesn't, you know, allow for these, hey, I'm annoyed. I, I really want to buy this, but I can't. Um, it's a way to find more customers. And the beauty of it all is it leverages your inventory. It's your brand. You have your own seller uh, store on the platform and it doesn't take away from what you're already doing. It's, it's not an you know, either or proposition, it's an and proposition. So it's the omni-channel world that we're living in. And this is a way to find more customers. And I'll, you know, kind of be frank with everybody. I, I believe that your customers are going to expect you to be on the platform. They're going to know this is where I'm going to be looking for more plants. This is where I, I'm going to go to say, can I find this? Um, and it can be utilized in a way that, hey, maybe my buyer brought in too many Autumn Blaze maples and I'm having a hard time getting rid of them. So you can list one plant on there if you want to. You can list five plants. It's not the endless aisle. Um, everybody knows the 80-20 rule. 80% of your sales come from 20% of your SKUs. And it it might be more like 90-10. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so in, in taking that, um, more uh, honed in approach. You can utilize ship my plants as a, as a way to find uh, more customers. I, I I love it. I think it makes sense. Like you said, garden centers are sending out trucks into neighborhoods every day of the week, and this is just another opportunity to to be found for someone in your area to find what they need. Then engage with you as a business. Like you said, it's. It doesn't, you know, take away from the the brand identity of the garden center, but it right. just exposes the store to a, a, a new or another audience and gives them an opportunity to shine. Once they yeah. deliver that plant and everybody's happy, you have just gained a customer and, you know, they will come into your store. They, you know, even if that's their first, uh, you know, the, the, the first way that they, that they meet your business, it, it becomes, you know, a, an in-person experience as well. So I... I think it's a great idea. I think it's awesome that you guys launched. I'm really excited to to hear more about it. And I do think that's an example of how we're going to inspire, you know, our, our next giant group of customers. And I, I hesitate to say generation of customers because I think that everybody's buying online now. It's yep. not a, you know, we're, we're not we're not targeting one 
uh, demographic with online information or products anymore. It's it's everybody. So I think it really sounds like it's it's on the the right path to how business is being done today. And I know you've done a lot of a lot of homework over the years and into, into how to make this happen. So how where does like where does the plan information come from? Because I can't imagine you're typing it all into uh, a database on your own. Well, I'm really glad you asked. So we actually partnered with the NetPS Plant Finder uh, from a company called Northscaping, James Kahoot. He is the founder. And um, in fact, um, he created the world's largest commercial plant database. Years ago, James Kahoot uh, realized that there was a need for garden centers to have a way to quickly list up to, you know, maybe 2000 plants that they that they carry in their garden center and a way for their customers to window shop because consumers today they expect to be able to go to your website and browse what products you carry you know it used to be and it still is very much this way but the you know the reasons they go to the website is phone number store hours and a way to contact you but they also want to see what you sell so james created this database and what it is, it's got almost 40,000 u- unique cultivars uh, or plant records, over 100,000 professional photographs. He's got an IP agreement with every single brand in, in the consumer horticulture industry. He and his team have taken all of the photographs themselves, built out all the cultural information into this database that it's basically just checking a box. And you can quickly go, all right, these are the plants that we carry. And it goes to the website. We've had their database on our site since 2009. Uh, he's got 250 garden centers utilizing the database on their website. 60 of the top 100 garden centers in North America have the NetPS Plant Finder database on their website. So they're very well known in the industry. And you know, while we were developing Ship My Plants, uh, Maggie Vega, who is uh, my business partner in Ship My Plants, who's also been the longtime marketing director at Alsop Home and Nursery and has a pretty good feel for all these things, she suggested to me, she said, why don't we reach out to James and see if we can utilize his database on the back end and make it so that the sellers can quickly list their products just by checking a box and being able to get the um, photos and cultural information in there right away. So I, I reached out to James and, you know, I said, I explained to him, here's what my plan is. This is what ship my plants is going to be. We'd, we'd love to have an IP agreement uh, with you to build the database into the back end. And James said, this is what we've been waiting for. There have been multiple iterations and multiple attempts in consumer horticulture. I'm not going to mention the names, but they're, they're out there and, they had also approached him to utilize his database to be built into their sites. And he just didn't quite think that they had the concept down uh, until now. Um, there's another one out there that, you know, you have to buy the plants from this nursery mm-hmm. and it's all about taking the plants from them to, you know, and you got to wait to build the truck. This doesn't take away from the brand identity. It's utilizing the those plant sellers inventory that they already have. So he loved it and to the point where, hey, hey, I want to be a partner in this. And James, as a database programmer, it was great to be able to bring him in. And now we have a database programmer. And also he's got some other um, significant tech skills that have been you know, very uh, useful to, to us building the Shipline Plants Marketplace platform. And so 
sellers can go back through and they can check the boxes, list the plants, no fear of copyright infringement because all these photographs are taken by his team, licensed for use for this platform. And what's really cool about it is there's there's different plant records based on region. So for example, Lantana, if you're in Chicago, um, Lantana is an annual. If you're in Tennessee, it's a perennial. And if you're in Florida, it's a shrub. And so we've got these different plant records built into the database to allow regionally our different plant sellers a way to accurately list their the the product. And then all they have to do is put in their their store SKU and their their retail price and their quantities. And what's really cool too is you know one of the things that we learned from selling plants online and having pre-orders is, you know, no matter what you do, you could put in big, bold letters on there. Um, this is a pre-order plants don't ship till mid April because that's, you know, based on where we're at, we're getting orders from people in the South, January and February, and they're emailing us going, Hey, where's my plant? And even though, you know, in the checkout cart and in their, in their email confirmation and all of that, it says, Hey, plants don't start shipping until mid April. So we thought, hey, there's got to be a way to utilize growers in the South to fulfill these orders uh, sooner. And that's one another reason that this whole thing works together, that, you know, now I can put, you know, get plants to the people in Texas at the time that they want to actually plant the stuff um, from a grower in Texas. And the whole thing works on geolocation. So when there's multiple sellers selling the same plant, the one who's closest to that consumer is who shows up at the top of the buy box, not the one who is the cheapest with, you know, creating that rat race to the bottom. I I love it. I think the the analogy with DoorDash makes a lot of sense because you order from DoorDash, but you know you're getting Chipotle, right? You're there, there's no mystery as to who is supplying the this this food to your to your house. And and it allows the the restaurant in DoorDash to curate their menu, right? So they're choosing what they're going to deliver you. It's usually not the full range. And I would imagine right. that that would be ideal for, for a garden center as well to be able to manage the, the list of plants that they're offering on Ship My Plants platform um, for all sorts of reasons. They could be moving out something they're long on. They could be highlighting the the latest and greatest to try to capture mm -hmm. new customers who are looking for the the new. Um, it just it it makes a lot of sense sense, and I think that it's exciting. It's something that that our industry has been um, I think wishing would happen. And like you said, there have been certain iterations of things, but they never really seem to be garden center first or from the industry and i think that that's always you know we've been in horticulture a long time we we trust folks in the industry and and plant people trust plant people and that's that's i think a really exciting part of the concept and you know i, I we can probably we we could probably do a whole episode on ship my plants we um, could. and maybe we will uh you know give, give it a give it a year when uh and you got a whole bunch of more success stories and, and we can we can talk about it again and hear about the evolution. And I've really kind of we were going to do five trends. I've completely lost track of how many because we probably touched on <laughs> 10 already, but that's fine. I knew that this episode would be going in different directions. Why don't we wrap it up with something we are both super passionate about? 
I say it just about every time I finish a talk at a conference or when I talk to people is we are lucky. And I usually say blessed to work in an industry that makes people happy. Nobody who you hand a flower to frowns, right? Everybody smiles. We sell a beautiful product, um, something that we're all passionate about. I think it's probably as important to bring positivity now more than ever. Um, what do you think about that? What do you think about our, our industry being a driver of positivity? I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I thank God every day I walk in my greenhouse and I, I get to work around plants and color. And, um, you know, it's like you never work a day in your life if you love what you do. And people people gravitate towards plants. It makes you happy. It, it improves your mood. Um, obviously, there's the health benefits of being around them all the time. And um, it's pretty cool that, you know, we're not selling something that's bad for people. We're, we're selling something that is is good for, for the earth. It's good for the, uh, you know, just the mental uh, well-being of, of humans. And it, it's, it's tough to be upset about being given a flower. And uh, yes, we know, we all know that everybody that listens to this podcast knows how stressful it can be at crunch time. But uh, at the end of the day, that's only a short amount of time in, in the work year. And, you know, you can also change your mindset to, to realize, hey, this is when we're making money. This is when we're able to feed our family. And, and we're very lucky to get to do this um, every single day. And the, the other thing about it that's really cool is it changes all the time. It's not just the seasons, but it's the trends. It's the new plants that come out. It's the new technology. And the people in this industry are all fantastic. I mean, I, I truly enjoy the relationships that I've built and that over the years and with people like yourself and other peers, and we just want to help each other. It, it, it doesn't seem like we're in this you know, monkey knife fight, cutthroat thing where, you know, I literally just texted my local competitor this morning, congratulating him on being that cover story on, um, you know, a, a local gardening magazine. And it was just like, hey, you know, that's awesome, man. I mean, this is, you know, we're all doing something that makes us happy. And uh, I couldn't agree more. I saw a quote literally this morning that said competition comes from the bottom. Collaboration comes from the top. And I truly think that's how our industry operates. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was many years ago, I was on a garden center tour and one of the new buyers for a pretty big garden center had just come from the grocery uh, industry, supermarket industry. And I remember her saying, wow, 20 years, I never ever collaborated with anybody else in the industry because it was so cutthroat. And this industry is amazing. And she spotted it right away within like two days of being on a bus with other retailers. And, and I always think back to that because it is a, a pretty clear demonstration of how our industry operates. So yes, we are very lucky and blessed to be in this industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't we keep the positivity flowing? Because I think the future of the industry is bright, yeah. whether it's you know new access to labor sources that are going to be there every day doing hard work, whether it's access to new varieties that are improvements over previous ones, whether it's new business models like Ship My Plants. I think the, in, the industry is in really good hands right now. Um, we have a lot of good leadership in our industry. And before we close, I just I, I always ask this question, like, what did we miss? Like, do you have any final thoughts? Do you have any great words of wisdom or something you want to reiterate uh, before, before we wrap up today? Well, I, I think that I'll reiterate something I said earlier. Join an industry 
organization, a peer group, um, participate in, in meetings, um, you know, continue your education, continue to learn, read the trade magazines. There, there's very valuable information in there. Obviously you can, you know, subscribe to the emails. Um, but th that's something that I would recommend to anybody that's just starting in this industry, or if, if you've been in here for a long time and you're getting a little stagnant, get back to, to reading and education. Uh, my dad's been doing this for over 60 years and he's constantly still learning and reading. And he tells me all the time, read the trade magazines, read this, and read that, uh, go to YouTube. There's so much valuable information on YouTube. Take that time and, and get it down the YouTube rabbit hole. And you're going to find something that will inspire you, will help you to bring more revenue into your company and also just keep things interesting and more fun. I love it. I love it. And I couldn't agree more. And Rich, thank you so much for your time and expertise. It's, it's obvious and it's obvious to anyone listening that, that what you and the team at Allsip are doing is inspirational. It's energizing. It's, it's on the right track to, to sustaining our industry for years to come. And obviously, we talked a lot about the Ship My Plant platform. That, like you said, it's going to be a game changer. And I do think it drills down to that pro industry from the industry approach. And Last but not least, if listeners want to reach out or learn more about you or also or ship my plants, where where can they find you? I have a, a a friend and business partner in Ship My Plants by the name of Clint Albin, and Clint has been around in this industry for a long time, and and many of you listeners probably already know Clint. He's um, been in many iterations, but he's a he is uh, a marketing consultant for Homestead Gardens in the uh, Maryland uh, market. But Clint is the director of business development for Ship My Plants, and he is the person to reach out to if you're interested. His email is clint at shipmyplants.com, and uh, he's definitely uh, a resource, and I'm, I'm blessed to have him as part of the team, and that's, that's who I would reach out to. Awesome. And where can they find Alsip online? Well, we have uh, our website is alsipnursery.com. And also you can go to uh, shipmyplants.com and you can sign up to uh, be a seller. It's very self-serve. We have a seller sign-up wizard that walks you through every single step. And you might not even need to talk to us if you want to sell on Ship My Plants. Uh, we had somebody sign up two days ago that uh, had products listed and everything. And I texted the team. I said, who is this? And they're like, oh, they did it all on their own. So, which is uh, pretty cool. But if you do need help, um, you, can, you can reach out to Clint. Rich, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Oh, Bill, thank you so much. And I'm a huge fan of, of the podcast and I'm humbled to be on here. So thank you. Awesome. And we'll have to do it again. I am Bill Calkins with Tech On Demand, reminding you to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Odyssey, just about all of them. If you subscribe, you'll never miss an episode. And then jump back into the archives because there's almost 100 episodes like this one packed with useful information we uh on behalf of rich and allsip and ship my plants we uh wish you all the best have a great season have a great 2024 <music>